Hi, welcome to Yolanda reading the memoirs of President Joseph Smith III, 1832 to 1914. We're in the midst of chapter 10. If you want to know the beginning of chapter 10, go to the previous episode. <laughs> um, this is entitled Life Work and the section heading is the reorganisation on page 71. Enjoy. Thank you for joining me. There was no opportunity or place for me in any of these groups I have mentioned, imbued as I was with certain ideals and standards, irreconcilable with their doctrines, their elimination from consideration as I sought earnestly to determine where to cast my religious lot, served to, diff uh, to direct my attention and interest more pointedly to the little band known as the reorganisers, or the reorganisation as it was usually called. To make assurance doubly sure, I made the whole matter a specific study and subject of prayer, laying it before the Almighty in the plain question, to which body of believers shall I unite myself? When the answer came, I could make no mistake, for clearly and specifically I was directly, directly told to unite myself to the reorganisation. This group had started about 1851 with a few adherents in Wisconsin and Illinois. A first conference had been held in June 1852, since which time the organisation had been maintained. Their effort had resulted from directions received in answer to prayer. Prophecies and revelations had been received by different individuals under conditions which precluded the possibility of collusion or even the unconscious exercise of so-called telepathy. These messages emphasised to them the fact that the faith and laws of God had been given to the Church in the New Testament and the Book of Mormon, that instructions for organisation were to be found in the Book of Covenants, and that the revelations in this last book could safely be taken as rules to govern them in their church policies and activity. <clears throat> in harmony, therefore, with this instruction, accompanied by the voice of prophecy from different parts and through different individuals, which assured them that ere long one of the seed of the prophet Joseph Smith would be called of God to take charge. <sighs> Sorry, this happens quite often. I try to read and then I get overcome with emotion. <laughs> You'll have to bear with me. This is me reading it and this is emotional. <laughs> so um, the bit that made me emotional was that they'd received this revelation um, that one of the seed of Joseph Smith Jr. would um, take over as prophet and um, that several people had prayed and they had all come up with the same answer. And um, this is really a spiritual um, thing for me. Let me carry on. <clears throat> so it says, um, would take charge as leader of the scattered sheep. They had proceeded and had organised and established themselves firmly. Of all this, I knew nothing in 1859. I had no acquaintance with the men of the reorganisation movement, with the possible exception of William Marks, whom I had met at Kirtland and at Nauvoo 
and of Zenos H. Gurley, whom I had met at La Harpe when I was a boy. There had been two who had come to me in 1865, asking me to... <clears throat> Does it say 1865? Sorry, I can't read my own writing. There's been... Uh, someone's written over the page. It come to me... Um, I can't see the year, asking me to head their movement, but as I turned a deaf ear to their request, I did not learn much concerning them. <clears throat> Welcome, this is Yolanda, and I'm sharing with you the words from the memoirs of President Joseph Smith III, 1832 to 1914, and I hope to not make any mistakes, but if I do, please bear with me. We all trip over our tongues sometimes, don't we? Um, we're in chapter 10, and this is page 71, and this, um, we're a little bit into chapter 10. Um, obviously, if you want to know the beginning of chapter 10, you have to go to the previous episode. So this is entitled The Reorganisation, and these are the words of Joseph Smith the Third. There was no opportunity or place for me in any of these groups I have mentioned, imbued as I was with certain ideals and standards irreconcilable with their doctrines, their elimination from consideration as I sought earnestly to determine where to cast my religious lot, served to direct my attention and interest more pointedly to the little band known as the reorganisers, or the reorganisation as it was usually called, to make assurance doubly sure I made the whole matter a specific study and subjects of prayer, laying it before the Almighty in the plain question, to which body of believers shall I unite myself? When the answer came, I could make no mistake, for clearly and specifically I was directed, I was directly told to unite myself to the reorganisation. This group had started about 1851, with a few adherents in Wisconsin and Illinois, my first conference had been held in June 1852, since which time the organisation had been maintained. Their efforts had resulted from direction received in answer to prayer. Prophecies and revelations had been received by different individuals under conditions which precluded the possibility of collusion or even the unconscious exercise of so-called telepathy. These messages emphasised to them the facts that the faith and laws of God had been given to the church in the New Testament and the Book of Mormon. That instructions for organisation were to be found in the Book of Covenants and that the revelations in this last book could safely be taken as rules to govern them in their church policies and activity. In harmony, therefore, with this instruction, accompanied by the voice of prophecy from different parts and through different individuals, which assured them that ere long one of the seed of the prophet Joseph Smith would be called of God to take charge as leader of the scattered sheep. They had proceeded and had organised and established themselves firmly. I'm going to stop um, um, reading there for the moment. Um, this is the uh, second time that I've tried to read this. Um, there's a year mentioned that I can't read it, so I need to research it. But um, as I was reading, or it says um, that they had... Um, received answer to prayer that one of the seed of Joseph, Prophet Joseph Smith, um, was um, become the prophet. Um, it made me really emotional and I started to 
like tears rolled down my eyes so um, I just wanted to share that with you that my face is still wet for from the emotion of it um I don't know what it means but I'm just sharing that that's what happened um thank you for joining me and um <clears throat> there are obviously some typos and there's a typo which I can't figure out what it says but um never mind I will get back to reading you the words of Joseph Smith the third of all this I knew nothing in 1859 I had no acquaintance with the men of the reorganization movement with the possible exception of William Marks whom I had met at Kirtland and at Nauvoo and of Zenos H Gurley whom I had met at La Harpe when I was a boy there was um, there had been two who had come to me in I can't see which year it says asking me to head their movement but as I turned a deaf ear to their request, I did not learn much concerning them. I think the year would have been something like 18... Oh no, I can't tell you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I've forgotten. So, But that's the task for you. Go and research as to when this occurred. I mean, I have read it. I do know it, but at the moment it eludes me. So go um, Google it or research the year that um, two men from the reorganisation um, approached um, Joseph Smith III. Let me carry on again. So um, asking me to head their movement, but I turned a deaf ear to their request. I did not learn much concerning them. <clears throat> I had seen the names of some others who were connected with the movement and knew that William W. Blair had been associated for a time with Uncle William's organisation at Binghamton. There came a time when I could no longer content myself with inaction in the matter. When I reached a decision in regard to which group to join and assured myself that it met and satisfactorily answered every testing question, I consulted with my mother and decided to get into communication with the reorganised body. I wrote to William Marks at Shibona, Illinois, and told him what I wished to do. I asked him to communicate with two or three of his brethren about the matter and then either write or visit me at Nauvoo. This was near the close of 1859. Elder Mark at once visited Israel L. Rogers a man who had been a member since 1842, but had not come to Illinois until after father's death, and the general exodus west, and these two communicated with Elder Blair. The results of their councils was that they came to Nauvoo to visit my mother and myself, upon which occasion it was decided we should attend the next conference to be held at Amboy, Lee County, on the coming April 6th. <clears throat> Next heading, speculation. Following this decision upon my part, a rather unusual situation developed right near home. My stepfather, who had no religious proclivities and rather prided himself on being an unbeliever or infidel, as some called him, got the idea that the gathering of the Mormons together would provide a good opportunity for some profitable speculations in real estate. He based this idea on a presumption that there existed among the adherents of the faith enough 
superstition to move them to respond eagerly to any def definite call together at some specific place. So taken was he with this idea that during the winter following my decision my decision to join the reorganised church when visiting Council Bluffs and Omaha, he canvassed with certain people there the possibility of such a land speculation in that locality. He thought this preliminary investigation might be an advantage, an advantageous thing to do. Upon his return, he was quite elated over the results of his efforts and what he considered a splendid opening for such a venture, as he contemplated. Florence, a small settlement almost six miles north of Omaha, on a widespread prairie sloping northwest of the Missouri River, seemed to offer the opportunity he had in mind. As he disclosed his enthusiastic plans to me, I was placed in a quandary. I recalled what I had known of the temporal affairs of the church after it reached Nauvoo, as well as what I had read of its earlier history, and realised that, while generally speaking, the church believed in the principle of gathering, many serious mistakes had been made. I asked myself the questions, would such a move be wise? What sort of men comprised the body to which I proposed to join myself? What is their character and what the fibre of their honour? Are they superstitious? Are there elements of speculation and personal aggrandisement among them how would they look upon and how would they use opportunities of the kind my stepfather has in mind these queries suggested to me the propriety of first becoming acquainted with the men with whom i was to be associated before making any such move heeding this conviction i refused to compromise myself with, with or pledge myself to support the project which had impressed the Major with such splendid possibilities for material profits. I knew something about the cooperative or community movement which started either at Kirtland or Hiram in Ohio, for accounts of it had been written down. These record books, in the course of events, had come into my care. They were obsolete, of course, and the substance which had formed the financial nucleus of the movement they recorded had long ago been dissipated. But I had taken a great interest in these accounts, to which I had had access, and examining them, I thought I could detect the reason why the monies gathered from different sources for the common project had been so quickly scattered and the movement to suffer collapsed so soon. <coughs> Excuse me. As indicated by the councils, I had studied, I will start that again, as indicated by the accounts I had studied, this reason was that there had been a great many more men ready and eager to draw from the common treasury than there were those able and willing to put their monies and properties into it. Perceiving this so clearly, my moral nature was startled into alertness against a possible repetition of former mistakes. I could see that while the motives of many may have been good and their morals formed under the direction of the spirit of revelation, it did not follow that the quality of their wisdom and judgment was without flaw, and therefore the project had faltered and finally fallen by the wayside. Contemplating that failure of the past, it seemed plain that the spiritual standing of men, ostensibly called of God, had been pledged for the reimbursement of the material funds which had been put into that church project, project and that these 
funds by some means either through mismanagement or some real intent on the part of the individuals to defraud the unwary were soon dissipated seemed to me nothing short of tragic it has been said there is only the difference of one letter between those business ventures which may be termed legitimate and those which are judicial ju <laughs> i don't usually read words like this um, that difference lies in the letter s when it is removed speculation becomes speculation hmm. to me nothing seems to so belittling and ignoble to the characters of so-called spiritual men and ecclesiastical leaders as a tendency to indulge in speculations either in temporal or in religious matters especially when such dealings are at the expense of their followers i'm not sure how to say that word but that's what i'm saying it as we will continue reflecting on these things as the major unfolded his plans to me i decided to wait until i could know the men with whom i had chosen to cast my religious lot before i involved them or the church in a movement which might however benevolent its original purpose permit somebody an opportunity to commit the same mistake i had reason to believe had been made in the past <clears throat> let's go on to the next section Amboy conference when as agreed upon with elder marks rogers and blair i went to amboy the next april i found assembled in conference a small body of men and women some 300 delegates from branches and ministerial representatives of the faith as taught before the death of my father who had gathered from a wide region of country there was no rich men among them as i now recall them brother rogers was perhaps the one possessed of a little more worldly goods than any other present there were a number of successful farmers william aldrich john gaylord and ambrose hicks who came from the near burlington wisconsin william marks with two or three sons was owner and operator of a small store at shabona grove decalb county these were likely the only men who had more than a competence some smaller farmers were present some laborers some delvers in the lead mines of galena and some drivers of small business concerns in different localities at amboy there lived edwin blair jotham jothan barrett and jacob doran all farmers and sister experienced stone and sons stephen and lardner there was also a hotel keeper named smith from dixon nearby the leading spiritual authorities of the group including zenos h Gurley, samuel powers and reuben newkirk were also farmers miners or laborers <clears throat> men who maintained themselves by the toil of their own hands while giving in addition as much time as they could to the ministering of the word upon acquaintance i discovered that none of these men were given to superstition but were governed by the exercise of fair judgment and the sense of values none were open to the charge of peculation or and few would have favored any kind of speculation in which there could occur the least degree of unfairness towards or exploitation of their fellow men they were men whose faith had been tried by adverse conditions who had honourably endeavoured to maintain the truth and who had zealously sought for a path that should lead them to locate the real possessors, 
possessors of the faith delivered under the authority of the angelic message and the real successors to that body of men into whose association they had formerly been baptised. If I had cherished any sort of idea that by uniting myself with them, with some group of professed Latter-day Saints, I should be given an opportunity for temporal advantage and an increase of personal wealth for the two or three days I spent with these men. Sorry, emotional moment. <laughs> Just imagine that you are unsatisfied with your um, standing in whichever church you attend and that suddenly you're amongst a group of people that you just feel they are it. <laughs> um, basically, Joseph Smith III wouldn't ha have had this happening since before his dad was killed. Everything after that was just chaos. And so here he is experiencing this personal wealth, this temporal advantage. I will carry on reading. I spent with these men who formed the rank and file of the reorganisation movement would have thoroughly convinced me that nothing of the kind could be accomplished there. However, as I have made clear, I had no idea, no ideas of that sort. I came to the conference at Amboy under the influence of a very different spirit from that, with very different motives and very different reasons. Mother and I arrived in the evening and I attended prayer service at the house of the widowed sister, Experience Stone, with her sons. She had been a member of the old-time church and had remained steadfast in the original faith. <laughs> Sorry for me getting emotional. But, um, um, I can relate at how excited I was when I first came across um, revelations from the uh, reorganised church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in about 2012 I was overjoyed and um, so reading these memoirs is just reminding me of um, how I felt and how sad I was to later on find out that um, things changed um, and things always seem to change because um, that's what happens when um, focus isn't, isn't um, directed um, and hearts to God I guess when things can change anyway um, that's me just rambling um, but um, there is something to think about um, when I've um, studied the Bible and um, religions and looked at everything uh, everyone's behaviour everywhere there does seem to be a beginning which is righteous a beginning which has um, a pure motive and then something happens where man changes things where they want to get a reward out of it for themselves where they want to dominate other people where they want to control and then um, things change and it seems to have happened in many religions and when you look at the bible i mean I'm speaking to you as a woman, I know that for some reason or other men have wanted to, to dominate women throughout time and there are so many things being taken from scripture 
that referred to women um, in the days of Jesus. There were many women around him, but we don't hear about it. We don't hear mention. And also, there's just, just every book of history, just go and read it, go and research all the histories and see what's missing. See, see what's happened. So have a free mind to think. Let your mind think, research, put the pieces together. So why has this problem happened? Brigham Young and many other men wanted to have more than one wife. They wanted to seem powerful. Not helpful. Once again, as I say, I'm rambling. <laughs> Let me carry on. And um, hi there. I hope that you enjoy my voice. <laughs> so this meeting and this occasion proved a very solemn hour for me, for it marked a definite epoch in my life. As I listened to the testimonies given in that small humble room and heard the statements made by many who had received evidences concerning myself and the work God was calling me to do, I became fully aware of the fact that the same influence and power that had been at work with me had determined my course of action and had finally led me into their midst, had also been manifesting itself to many of these faithful, loyal and devoted old-time saints. I realised too that the prophecies that had been received by many speakers and given in their hearing had created in them a fever of hope and expectancy that the son of the prophet, or young Joseph, as they called me, would take his father's place as leader of the scattered flocks. This possibility they seemed to regard as a primary importance under these circumstances, and there was an undercurrent of excitement and considerable demonstration of emotion. Many were moved to tears and to freely express their deep gratitude to God that the prayers of the betrayed of Israel had been heard, that the shepherd was about to come to his flock, and there were no longer, and they were no longer to be left desolate. I'm going to carry on um, in another episode with the rest of the page. Thank you for joining me. <laughs>